So anyways, we are in a series uh, called Get That Bread. We've been talking about money, so I'm excited we'll be concluding our series called Get That Bread tonight. Uh, and so we have a little special treat at the end of the service. No, it's not money, don't worry. Uh, it's not bread either. Tough. Uh, tough. But we, we're going to do question and answer. Yeah! So uh, a little Q&A action at the end of the message tonight. There'll be no response song. And so if you have your phones, you can get them out right now, and you can put this phone number in there. It is... 434-981-0126. So if you have a question about tonight's message, if you have a question about last week's message, if you just have a general question about money, uh, you can text those questions to Katie under some sort of anonymity. Uh, and then she, at the end of the night, uh, she'll let me know which questions we're going to answer. We won't answer them all, because I'm trying to tell some of you are going to text. Um, but we will be glad to answer your honest questions. Um, and so we're going to give it a go. So I am excited about uh, tonight's message. Tonight's message is on budgeting, debt, and investing. Oh, Oh, wow. Big facts. Uh, here's the thing. Here's, here's what I know. Uh, I think Snoop Dogg said it best. Uh, I've got my mind on my money and my money on my mind. So uh, I think like oftentimes we're think, we think about money all the time. Like money is all around us. Money is everywhere. And here's the problem with you all as college students. So much of the money that you have is not real. So much of the money that you have is pretend, in the sense that it all happens, uh, you call it dining dollars, right? Like, dining dollars are not real. No, yeah, you pay for it, but once you get them, you don't treat them like they're real. Like, and it, or, or your money is done via, what do you call it, Venmo, that's it. Everybody knows Venmo money's not real money. Like, you, like, you got the money in the Venmo, and it's like, well, you know, it doesn't feel like real money, it doesn't look like real money, it doesn't taste like real money. You guys all know what money tastes like. Don't try, don't try to lie. Um, and, and like, like, and, and then uh, credit card. How many of you in the room have a credit card? How many of you have had a credit card since you turned 16? How many of you have multiple credit cards? Yeah, there's, there's a few of us in the room. Like, credit cards also don't often feel like real money because we don't, we're not holding it. Statistics say that you spend two and a half times more when you pay with a credit card than if you would have paid with cash. When you go to the grocery store, when you go to Moe's, you're like, yeah, the extra queso is no big deal. I'm going to get the full cup this time. I'm just going to charge it. It doesn't matter if it's cash or not. But, but when you spend cash, you spend less. And so I think that as we talk about money, we need to, to figure these things out. We need to see what the Bible says because I'm convinced that if we can conquer our money now, if we can get a good plan for money now, we can use money instead of having money use us, like we see happen all around us. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, it's the first gospel. Chapter 6 is the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, one of the probably, yeah, probably the most famous sermon ever written. 
Matthew recording it here for us. We're going to be starting reading in verse 19. Jesus says, my Bible has the letters in red, if yours does too, telling us that Jesus is the one that is saying these words. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And hear this part. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Yes, of course, this, uh, this verse, I think, can be extrapolated to mean more than just money. You can't serve God and sex. You can't serve God and weed. Like, dude, is he going to keep bringing up weed? Yes, probably. <laughs> you can't serve God and other things. Like, you have to choose who you are going to serve. And I think that as we're going to be talking about it tonight, as we talk about what it means to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, to live in real devotion to Jesus, you cannot serve both God and money. The way that you view money, the way that you use money, the way that you think about money will determine so much more in your Christian life. It will determine how your community looks like. It will determine how you embrace real responsibility as you think about God's heart for the world. It will determine so much with the way that you use money or the way that you let money use you. And so you have to make your decision, what will I do, who will I serve? When I read this passage, it's like, it's like so obvious, right? Like Jesus, Jesus says these things, and he's like, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth because they're all going to fade away. It's all going to decay. It's going to nothing. Um, I read a, a few different things this past week, and a couple different places this quote was attributed to a lot of different people. Um, and so one of them was uh, Elvis Presley's brother, and so that's how I'm going to tell the story. Uh, but there's a couple other famous people. And it's like, okay, so Elvis dies. And like Elvis Presley's bro brother is still there, and people are coming up to him, and they're like, hey, man, I just got, I just got a question. Like, how much did he leave behind? Like, you know, like, like the, the king of rock and roll, you know, like how much, how much money was left? And the answer, of course, was all of it. He literally couldn't take any of it with him. He had to leave it all behind. And when we, like, when Jesus says this, it makes so much sense. It's like, yes, of course. I don't want to live for treasures on earth. I don't want to live for things that are going to, to fade away, things that are going to be destroyed, things that are going to decay. It just makes total sense. I want to live for eternal things. That is what the most important thing is. But then I like, I get going. I get going about my life, and it's like those other things are so appealing. These other things, like, they catch my eye. I see them in commercials. I see them in a Facebook ad because somebody near me has mentioned them over the past week. Um, recently, all of my Facebook ads have been for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, which sucks. Um, I have no one to blame but Lance. Um, and so, uh, it's, uh, we were talking about today, like, Facebook is a weird place. Uh, and I know they're listening right now, so if you guys could give me some good ads on Facebook this week, I'd appreciate it. Zuckerberg. Um, that was supposed to be funnier than it was. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, 
So the way that we're going to look at this tonight is we think about not having uh, serving God and using money as opposed to serving money and trying to use God. Uh, we're going to look at it in those three different categories I talked about. The first one we're going to look at is budgeting. The best way for you to not, uh, for you to be able to have your money serve you, is to know where you are spending your money. To to do things on purpose. Dave Ramsey says that you should give every dollar a name and make it obey. If you don't have a budget, you literally don't know where your money is going. You're throwing it up in the air, and you're following it around. Your money is leading you around, and it's all on your whims, and nothing is on purpose. And it's like, yo, it just is what it is, and that's just kind of how it happens, and I don't know how this is happening. And I think when you make and live on a budget, you can live freer than living without a budget. Yes, I did say that correctly. Oftentimes when we think about budgets, we think like, oh, budget is so restricting. Like if I have to write this down, it's going to be so much work, and it's going to make me do things, and I don't want to do that. But no, actually living on a budget gives you control over your money instead of your money controlling you. Your money is, 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 you have become your money's master because you are telling your money what to do instead of your money leading you around. Um, Katie and I have student loans right now. Um, I feel like I've been out of college for a long time, but those things just chase you um, all the way up and down the years. And so here we are. Um, who can say how long we've been graduated? Uh, I, I don't remember. Katie says 12 years, so checks out, good. Um, so here's the thing about uh, student loans. Student loans are weird in the, in the sense that student loans are weird because when you apply for them, you're not going to be living in the place where you will eventually live when you're going to pay them back. Do you know what I mean? Because, and so for the first few years of our marriage, we were trying to find all of our student loans, and, like, and it was really hard, and it would keep me up at night because it's like, man, I just don't know like, how much we be paying or where they are. One of them was being sent to uh, a first-year dorm address. Like, that's tough. You know what I mean? Like, how am I supposed to pay that? Like, if you're sending it to uh, a first-year dorm. One was being sent to, like, our parents' house. And it's just like, oh, my God. And so we finally got them all compiled. And once we had them all compiled, once we knew what the monthly payments were, once we began to snowball them, which we're going to talk about when we, we have to talk about debt, um, I can tell you that, that my, my mental state changed. Because it was no longer like, am I going to be able to make it? How is this going to happen? What are we going to do? But it was like, okay, we have a plan. I have seen it on paper, and now I know where things are going. I know which categories things are in. I know the way that we're going to be able to make our student loan payments is if we spend this much on groceries. Another way that we're going to be able to make our student loan payments is if we if we spend this much money on entertainment. If we if we do this, if we do this, if haircuts cost this much per month, like... You know, we can have, I can live freer because I no longer have to think about, like, where is that money going to come from? When that bill comes, how am I going to pay it? What, 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 what? Because I have given every dollar a name and made it obey. If your budget is determined by when you get money out of the ATM and you look at the balance and you're like, oh, yeah, looks like I'm good, you're doing it wrong. Okay, if your budget is determined by how much is in your Venmo account, again, you are doing it wrong. I read somewhere uh, this past week that when you go out to eat and you guys agree to split the tab on Venmo, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'll pay, and everybody's like, yo, I'll Venmo you. Only 40% of people pay. 
I made that statistic up, but you all totally are like, no, that is totally, that is exactly right. Like, that's what happens with this for 10 months. You guys are like, like, I got a lot of it. You guys are like, yeah, it's, I've done that. I'm doing that right now. I need to pay somebody right now. Like, and, and so, like, like, but when we give our, our money a name and we make it obey. And so, um, I think, I also think with college students, and those that are like right out of college, what you all often do is you eat your budget. Um, eat your budget in the sense that you just go out to eat. Do you know what I mean? So I've got a meeting for you um, here. And so I'm, I'm really excited about this one. Once I started spending my own money, I realized mom was right. We do have. Um, and like, and so like when you make a budget, you guys are like, oh, how do you make a budget? Great. I'm so glad that you asked. Uh, you need to, uh, one, understand what your income is. If you're going to make a budget, you have to know what your income is going to be. Some of you right now, you don't have much of an income. Do you know what I mean? Like, or you're like, uh, you know, I don't get paid a lot. Like, you rec only gives me two hours a week or, or whatever it would be. Uh, I know a lot of you guys work with you rec. I see you there every week. So. Uh, and so anyways, um, you need, so I would encourage you, eventually, you will all need to make a budget, a monthly budget. Like what your income is going to be monthly. But right now your income may vary so much that you're going to have to do it either every month and change it every month, or might I suggest that you look at doing a, a budget for the semester. And say, this is what I'm going to need to make it through the semester. This is what this is going to look like. This is what I think my income is going to be. So I'm going to project some things. If I have to take a few extra shifts, I'm going to grab a couple extra shifts. Uh, and I'm going to budget out what this semester is going to look like. And then you're going to have to build categories of ways that you're going to spend money, and you're going to put money into those categories as the money comes in. And so, I mentioned haircuts earlier. We have a haircut line in our budget uh, because, like, I never knew this, but it turns out haircuts can be mad expensive. Uh, and so, like, I ain't got it like that, like, when haircut month comes up, and so we have to save up for haircut month, like, every single month throughout the year so that we can then, like, like have a haircut, do you know what I mean? Katie cuts my hair, so that works out really well. Um, and so, um, so then you'll you'll build categories, and so you'll be like, okay, this is what my income is going to be. This is what I'm going to need to pay in taxes. Um, I think if you're probably working at EREC, you don't have to worry about taxes because you probably don't make enough money. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, um, but then after that, you're, you know, this is what I'm going to pay in my tithe. Uh, we talked about the tithe last week. This is what I'm going to give to missions. Uh, this is what I'm going to spend on food. Then, I think you need to think about your food category. I've already mentioned this. Okay, Katie and I have gone back and forth on this in our personal budget. Uh, but you need to have, like, this is what I'm going to spend on food. And then, either within that category or its own separate category, this is what I'm going to spend on eating out. So maybe for some of you, you want eating out to be its own category. And maybe for some of you, you just want that to be part of your food category. I really don't care which way you do it. I just want you to be consistent. Um, then you need to have, uh, this, is what, this is what my utilities bills are, this is what the rent costs this month, uh, this, is what, uh, this is how much capital retreats are going to cost this semester, you want to go ahead and work those into the budget now, uh, this is how much uh, intramurals cost, this, this is how much entertainment is going to cost, this is how much haircuts are going to cost, this is how much I want to spend on clothes, this is how much I want to spend on um, sports and recreation, this is how much I'm going to spend on cable, and you're going to need to build all those categories, and those categories are going to be different for each one of you what those categories are, what you spend money on, and then you're going to realize the more you get into it, you realize like, yo, there are categories I did not plan on happening. You're probably not in this season right now, but eventually you're going to get into wedding season. 
gotta watch out for wedding season because wedding season has to be its own line item. Because what happens is all your friends want to get married and you're like real excited for them, but then like you get the invitation, you're like, I gotta go to the registry. I gotta buy them a gift. And then they like, and it turns out like you guys live together in college or you're in a quarter together, and now all of a sudden they want you to be in the wedding. You're like, yes, I'm in the wedding. This is so exciting. Then you gotta buy a five hundred dollar dress. Then you gotta travel. Then you gotta then you gotta do a bachelorette party. Then you then you gotta do a shower. And like you just need a whole line item for wedding season. And and all of you are going to end up doing careers in Kyle. And so here's the thing: when you do a career in Kyle, it's always wedding season. That's just what life is like. Like that. And so so we just have a line item in our budget for gifts. We have to have that be fairly large, and then we have to define what happens within each of those categories. And so, for a while there, it was like, Katie would go to showers for a baby shower or a bridal shower or whatever it would be, and it's like, okay, so, and then when she hosts a shower, it's like, yo, like, where does that money come from? Does hosting a shower come out of Katie's fun money? I mean, it was fun, but that's not where she, like, that's, that's not fair for her to spend her fun money there. And so it's like, so that means that like we need to define which each one of the uh, categories is going to be so that we can then know, so that we can make every, give every dollar a name and make it obey. And so I would encourage you to work over your budget, maybe work over with your small group leader over the next few weeks or to think about like what expenses are coming. And so that, that way you can have a plan and that way you can have your money serve you instead of you serving your money. That, that, that budgeting allows us to be good stewards, and budgeting allows us to take the uh, comparison game, and it allows us to take the, uh, maybe I should do that, or they're doing this, like, it takes all that out of play, because I know that I have, and so you, you see somebody uh, getting a mocha joka woka frappa mocha <laughs> latte, and you're like, man, I, can, I, mean, I can't, why does she, she get that and I can't? Oh, because that's what that's what her budget says. Her budget says she's going to spend that kind of money on coffee, and that's fine because she's budgeted it. But like, I have chosen to uh, spend my money on something else, or whatever it would be. Um, my basketball shoes. You know what I mean? Like that's what I have chosen to spend my money on instead. And so like, you have to think about that, and then you then like when you're walking around campus, you're you're a town, you're back home, you're like, oh, I'm not spending money on that because that's not what the budget says. And I'm going to obey the budget. This, it sounds really simple to write it all down and then do it. It is significantly harder to then actually put it into practice. You have to, you have to work on it. Uh, Katie and I uh, like the cash system. Um, and so we get money out of the bank every month. You won't believe this, but they actually do have cash these days. Uh, and so like we get paid in direct deposits. We go to the bank. We withdraw some money. And we put it in envelopes that we keep in our house. Oh, yes, Yes, it's out on the internet now. Um, and so and in those envelopes, they're, they're labeled uh, like house supplies and house stuff. Because it's like we used to have the house envelope, and it's like, well, that's tough because I want to buy a new hose. Um, and Katie wants to buy laundry detergent or uh, cleaning supplies. And I'm like, we don't need any of those. And so we had to split that out of the budget because it's like, it's tough. Um, and so, like, we're as we're like as we're deciding, trying, and evaluating what our what our budget is going to look like. It's like this is this is how we've had to define it. And so, and, we, and then when we when we go to buy things, we we spend cash on things. And I can I tell you how much easier that makes me feel about things. Like when we're 
or out at Costco or whatever, and they've got a sale, and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to buy that because i got cash, and it's like right here, right now, and it's real. Because I can tell you this, you can go broke buying bargains. You're like, yo, like, this is on sale. Like, yo, i got to get this right now. Like, and then, then you, you buy with your credit card, and it's like, oh, like, man. Like, and then, like, those interest rates, and we're going to talk about interest rates. It's like, like that stuff, like, it, it, if you didn't have the money, even though you bought it on sale, that's still not a good deal. But the budget allows you to live within your means, to be a good steward, and to um, own your money instead of your money owning you. So next, we're going to talk about uh, debt. Uh, so I know you guys are all really excited about talking about debt. And so I got a short video clip I want to show you about debt. What's up, family? Great community. Don't worry. It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. So this is that's a, that's a very old commercial. That's why it's so grainy because we didn't have HD back then. Um, but like I will never forget that commercial because that's the American dream right there. That's the I have the big house. I'm, I'm a member of all the things I need to be a member of. I've got this. I've got that. I've got a brand new car, and I am in debt up to my eyeballs. I'm not sure how I'm going to pay for it. I can barely make my finance charges, and like there is so much constant stress on individuals, there's stress on marriages, there's stress on kids, and it has just become normal in American culture that the way to get ahead is just to continue to take out more and more and more consumer debt. Um, right now, the, let's see, I got the statistics here. The average household has $6,700 in credit card debt. That is just fun consumer debt. $46,000 in student loans and $27,000 in automobile loans. And I can tell you that it starts to add, that doesn't even count mortgages, like let alone what people have in their mortgage, and this stuff just continues to add, and it adds up quickly, and it is so easy to apply for these things, it is so easy to get these things, like people will give you free money as long as you're going to pay them back an interest rate of 29%, like all day long, and it should be so hard to get out of it, um, and so, so we're going to talk about debt, uh, we're going to talk about good debt versus bad debt. I got a few verses I want to put up here on the screen real quick. Uh, Romans 13.8 says to let no debt remaining out, remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. I know that can be tough during assassins, um, but yes, the, the debt is to love one another. Uh, Proverbs 22.7 says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. And then Psalm 37.21, the wicked borrow and don't repay, but the righteous give generously. And so I believe there is a difference between good debt and bad debt. And, and simply put, uh, good debt is something that appreciates. Bad debt is something that depreciates. And so you, I can break that down a little bit more for you. And so good debt would be something that, uh, so more often than not, be very careful with this, more often than not, student loans are good debt. Because your earning potential increases. Um, more often than not, some of you, you need to think twice about your major. 
Um, and so, like, I, I'm, I mean that, like, if you're, like, it, it can become bad debt very quickly if it, if it does not allow you to be more employable, if you don't leave the university more employable than when you came in. Um, both my brothers are, uh, neither of my brothers went to college for very long, they both tried. Um, they both make significantly more than Katie and I do. Um, and, like, that's just facts. Uh, Katie and I have been trying to get a hold of a plumber since we moved into the house, basically, and all the plumbers in the, like, tri-county area are booked up. Like, the, the trades can absolutely be the way to go. And I know that you guys are all like, no, I'm already, like, pot committed to this, and so that's fine. But I think you need to think about, like, what, what you're uh, majoring in, what you're, and so to make yourself a problem. And then an example, and so more often than not, also, mortgages are more often than not good debt. Because more often than not, a house will appreciate. A house doesn't always appreciate. We, uh, you guys maybe don't remember this as clearly as maybe I do, but the bubble did burst. Um, and so like a lot of people were upside down on houses because they thought they would always appreciate like forever into perpetuity. And that's just dumb to think that. Um, and so, and I think right now we are on the cusp of seeing that same thing happen with automobile loans. Um, I think automobile loans on a brand new car is bad debt. Uh, I think that because uh, you, you, if you finance a car, let's say the car costs $25,000, you're going to finance it over five years at, let's say you get a really good rate of 2.99, maybe 3%. Uh, you're going to end up paying almost $30,000 for the car. And as soon as you sign the papers and put the key in the ignition, that car is now only worth $12,000. And, <laughs> and now you've got to pay $30,000 for it. Like, and if, if you total it, even if you do have full coverage, they still won't cover the entirety of the car. Uh, it can be terrifying uh, to spend that kind of money on a car and to think that you're making a good financial decision, and you may not be. Um, and so I recommend paying cash for cars. The only way to pay cash for a car is to have a line item in your budget where you're making a car payment to yourself for a couple of years, where you would then buy a car with cash, you drive that car around for a few years, continue making the car payment to yourself, and then sell the car that you have and use the cash you saved up to buy a better car. You just continue to upgrade your cars, uh, and that would be a way to use debt to your advantage as opposed to your debt moving you around to where you feel like there's no way out. Like this is just the way it's going to be, and it's going to be continually in debt for forever. You feel like you are a slave to your lender as your as a borrower. And so I think credit cards are oftentimes bad debt because we forget to pay them off on time. Uh, if you can use a credit card and be diligent and pay it off on time and pay it off uh, its total balance, then yes, you can use it, you can get good points, and that's great. Nobody ever got rich off credit card points. That's a spoiler alert right there. Um, like, but if you are not going to pay your credit card off in full each month, it is hurting you more than you could ever imagine. Uh, you go to Moe's and you spend $12 at Moe's and you only pay the minimum and you do that a bunch of different times, you're going to pay in $25, $30 for that meal at Moe's and you're like, yo, I ain't paying that for Moe's. But you really like that extra queso. Um, and it walks free, so that's nice. Um, so, some of you in the room are in debt. Uh, you're either in consumer debt with credit cards, you have automobile loans, or you have student loan debts, and you're like, yo, Josh, this, these are not positive things that we're talking about. Katie and I have a tremendous amount of debt. Uh, we, the home is a tremendous amount of debt, uh, and then student loans have been a huge part of our lives, uh, as I mentioned. 
And so what I recommend, what Dave Ramsey recommends, is the uh, debt snowball. So I got a picture of the debt snowball here. And so let's say you have four debts, a medical bill, a credit card debt, a car loan, and a student loan. And these are all the lowest, the uh, minimum payments on all of those things. I'm going to encourage you to pay the minimum on each and every single one of those things. And then uh, to beg, borrow, get a second job, do whatever you got to do to make a little extra cash on the side, to uh, stop, uh, cut a line iron out of your budget, and like don't spend on frivolous things, and save up as much extra money as you possibly can, and put all of that on the smallest loan that you have. Now every part of every part of you is like, yo, Josh, I can do easy math. I should put that on the one with the highest interest. No, you should put that on the one that has the smallest amount left on it. Because debt is a mental game. Uh, and if you can get rid of one of your debts, you will feel significantly better about yourself as opposed to trying to do some math game. Um, and so in this example, you see they gazelle intensity is something that Dave Ramsey says. Um, and so they, they, they find an extra $500 a month. They put it on that first debt. And so the first debt is paid off in one month. The medical bill's gone. So then they take the $550 that they were putting on the medical debt, and then they add that to the credit card debt. So now they're paying just over $600 on the credit card debt. So then that's gone in a few months. And then they add that $600-some to the $135 car loan. And then they add that, once they pay that off, onto the student loans. And so, at, so in 27 months, they pay off $20,000 in debt by just saving an extra $500 a month at the very beginning and snowballing that thing. And here's, here's what Katie and I did when we would pay off the student loan. We would then snowball on the next student loan. We would put that bad boy up in the refrigerator, and we would go to Outback with our entertainment money. Um, like, hey, we getting the cheese fries tonight. Like, uh, low layered. That's the word. Yeah, we're getting layered cheese fries tonight, and we we would live the dream. Uh, and it's like, and we just felt so much better, and we continue to snowball and snowball and snowball to where now we've got either three or four student loans left, but we're we're working our way through, and I feel so much freer because we have a plan. And, and because we are working the plan and working the snowball to our advantage, and we are having our money work in our favor instead of our money drag us around. We're not going to serve money. Money's going to serve us. Uh, wow. Um, just look at the clock. Totally my bad. Uh, let's talk about investing real quick. Um, Matthew, let's say 25, tells the story of the gold bags or the talents in your Bible. We're not going to turn to it uh, for lack of time. Uh, but in it, Jesus tells the story of a, an owner gives money to people, and he's like, hold this until I get back. And the guy that has five uh, works it, works it, works it, and he turns the five into ten. The guy that has two turns it into four. The guy that has one is afraid of the master, so he buries it, and he brings it back every one. And the master is not pleased with the guy that had one. Like, there's a sense that he's like, no, like, don't just sit there. Like, have this work for you. And so I want to talk about investing. Uh, and some of you are like, oh, why are we talking about investing? Like, I'm not going to invest right now. That's true. Some of you may not be investing right now, but I think you should be thinking about investing as soon as you get out of college. And I think as you uh, make, uh, as you get job offers for the few of you that are seniors in the room, like, you need to be thinking about what your investment portfolio will be in order to have your money work for you instead of you work for your money. Uh, and so I got a couple, uh, some of you will get jobs where they will offer to put money in a, in a 401k for you, um, and, and they'll, they'll match you to a certain percent. You need to take them for every single penny that they will give you. Uh, whatever, if they're going to match the 5%, you need to put that 5% in, because that is free money. And I'm going to show you some examples of what, what can happen if you invest early as opposed to if you invest late. And so we got, I got a table right here. 
So let's say uh, if you're 25 years old, you've gotten out of college, you found yourself, you got, you got a job at this point, like you're now settling in, like you've got everything you, you need or whatever, and you're starting to think about your financial future. So if you start at 25 and you uh, invest $250 a month in a mutual fund, you call Vanguard or you call Edward Jones, uh, Katie and I do ours through Vanguard because their fees have been the lowest that we've, we've seen, though they continue to compete with each other, so the fees continue to go down, so that's nice. Um, the average rate of return on the stock market after 40 years is about 7%. Um, the average rate of return on the mutual fund that we're currently in over the last 30 years is uh, almost 10%. Uh, this past year it's been at 22%, so that's been real nice. Um, and uh, but, so if we just did a 9% rate of return, so I think you could beat the stock market if you get into the right accounts, there's a lot of them out there, um, and you invested for 40 years, you would uh, start with $0, you would put $120,000 in. That seems like a lot of money, right? Over 40 years, so at 65, you're thinking about what your future is going to be, um, and your interest would be $934,000. You'd have just over a million dollars. You'd be a millionaire. If you just put away $250 a month, into a mutual fund at the age of 25. Now, here's the say, if you're like, hey, you know what, actually 25, like, I really, really want that Camaro with T-tops. Like, I, you guys aren't Camaro people, I understand, <laughs> I was. Uh, or like, here, here's the other one, like, I really want the nice apartment in downtown. Uh, like, the flat with the three bedrooms, I know there's just one of me, but I might have guests and I like, I need a home office for the job that doesn't require a home office. Uh, and so you're like, I want the three bedroom place, and that's what I'm gonna get, and so you spend that extra money on, on, on the house, or on the mortgage, or on the rent, or whatever it would be. And so you just say, like, I can wait. So I'm gonna wait until I'm 35 to start investing. So that's our next table. So in this example, you wait until you're 35, you do it for the next 30 years. You contribute $90,000, which is only 30 grand less than your last example. Your interest, $335,000 for a total of $425,000. You will have left $600,000 on the table if you wait that extra decade. Because you, you wanted other things or you weren't thinking about it. And I can tell you that you can plan. So here, I got another example. Let's say you know this. You're like, hey, you know what? Actually, at 35, I'm making a little bit more money now, and so I can make up for that lost time. And so instead of putting $250 away, I'm going to put $500 away. So let's see that example. So instead of the $250, i am going to put $500 away for 30 years. Okay, now your total contributions are $180,000, which is more than the first example. Your interest is $600,000. You still only make $850,000. You still leave almost $200,000 on the table. And you had to almost double your input. Use this money to, to like use this time, make a plan when you come out to see this term. And so even though Katie and I are uh, paying aggressively on student loans, we've been able to find a way to get money into our retirement account to see that work for us. Now here's the thing, we are not having this money work for us so that at 65 we can drop out of the rat race, and we can drop out of whatever is happening, and then just go chill on the beach. That's not the goal. What we want to do, we want to be able to use this money to further the kingdom, to serve God and use this money and to see it used exponentially. 
We want to be able to be blessings to our grandkids. We want to be able to move overseas if that's what the Lord would ask us. And I don't want to be tied down to stuff. I don't want to be tied down to things. I don't want to be tied down to things that would not allow me to do what the Lord has asked me to do because I'm serving money instead of serving God. It was a huge question for us when we first bought a house. Like, should we just be renters for the rest of our life just in case that's what the Lord would ask for us? Because I know I can't afford two mortgages. Like, if I can't sell the house I'm in, then if the Lord asked me to move, I wouldn't be able to move, and that would be holding me back, and that would be me serving things instead of me serving God. So we were able to, to find a way for us to build within our means and a house that we would then be able to sell if the Lord would ask us. And then when He did ask us, it was easy to sell. It was easy to give it away and to move here and then to start the process all over. It's people are to do it, to live with open hands with our money, to live with open hands with our thoughts about money, so we wouldn't be controlled by money. Instead, we would be able to control our money. So that is a short and sweet talk about money, budgeting, debt, and investing. So uh, if you have any questions, uh, I'll still take those for a few minutes. Uh, maybe people have been sending them in. Is that a head nod? Yes? Great. Uh, it, also, you can send them in right now, 434-981-0126. I grew up in the age where we memorize phone numbers. No, you guys don't do that. Yeah, Mike McCoy, 301-466-5303. Uh, Anthony Saladino, 540-292-3233. Jeremy Owen, 757-572-6052. They will answer. Yeah, so that was actually my story. I didn't work during the school year because I went to UVA. Nobody works during the school year. Uh, Nerds. Uh, <laughs> Nerds. Uh, and so I worked a lot over winter breaks and summer breaks. Uh, and then because of the lifestyle I lived before I got to college um, and the friends that I had beforehand, I knew that I was going to make bad decisions when I'm at home. Uh, and so I just got two jobs every break uh, and tried to work between 80 and 100 hours a week. Uh, and then saved up that money in order to get myself through the school year. Uh, I knew that if my friends asked me to go drinking, it was better. I, it would be easier for me to say no uh, if I was like, "Yo, I gotta work tonight and tomorrow morning. I'm working all night tonight." And then, like, I work, I work graveyard. I work like it was just like I just wanted to always be at work. Um, and so I would budget my money still in specific categories, but I would do it like a semester at a time, and knowing that I'm gonna make more money over the summer than I'm gonna make over winter break. Um, and so, and then I think, like, you guys are, like, Obamacare has allowed you all to stay on your parents' insurance until you're 26, and so do that. Um, and I think whatever your parents are willing to pay for, like, I would take them for that, absolutely. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made was my senior year of college. The Motorola Razor had just come out, uh, and I had to have it. Man, it had a color screen. Like, it was, like, it was bad. Uh, it was a flip phone. It was a flip phone. Oh, yeah, it was a phone. Oh, my gosh. It was, like, the coolest phone ever made at that point. But, like, I had to have it. So I asked my parents to get it for me. They said, no, if you one day have to do your own phone plan. I was like, forget you guys. Get on my own phone plan. And so I've been paying my own phone bill. And, yeah, what a loser I was. Uh, so I won't do that again.
So I would still get specific in categories, because that's what's going to be most helpful. And you're going to know what your rent's going to be. You're going to have a general baseline for what your utilities are going to be. Um, you're going to know what you want to give in your tithe and in your offerings. And so I think that would still go in specific categories. You disagree? Or that was the only question? <laughs> Any other questions? If you have specific questions, you can feel free to talk to me afterwards. I don't... Uh, I also would like to be on the record that if you're going to ask me tax questions, uh, I'm not on the hook for your taxes. Uh, you need to consult the account for that. But I'd be happy to give you advice. Uh, so if that's it, you all can stand and I'll pray for us. Jesus, we thank you that you are a God that cares about money. Now we are thank you, we th we're thankful that you are a God that is generous. You're a God that's loving, that you're a God that is with us. So God, I pray that as we look at what our financial futures would be, I pray that you would be the God that would help us with that. That you'd give us courage in places that we need courage, that you would give us strength in places that we need strength, and that we would not uh, be controlled by our money, but instead that we would steward our money well, that we would that we would own our money, and that we would be uh, stewards of what you have graciously given us. And so God, I pray that you that as we do that, that you would bless us. Um, to bless the community, and that you would allow us to serve you uh, with our money, with our time, with our treasures, with whatever we would have, um, all through your glory. In a strong name, Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Now for the benediction, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, and may he be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance to you, and may he give you shalom. May he give you financial peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go Duke.